Day, y'all. We're you in, are now listening to the Faith series, Community Bible Church podcast. It's our prayer that this message equip, is not only a blessing to you, equip, but to your entire family. Our, our Join us as we aim to make Christ equip, known in our community the idea by caring behind for the being equipped God bless. It's really a reminder for all of us that everything that you need to do what God needs you to do, He's already given it to you. This word equipped isn't necessarily a past tense word, but a reminder, right, that you are ready for action, right? You are equipped, meaning that you are maturing in what God has already given you, right? So we intro that last week, and what we'll do over the next several weeks is we are helping you in many areas to know how or where or for what God has equipped you. So today, We're going to talk about being equipped for the kingdom. Equipped for the kingdom. Grab your Bibles. Let's go to Matthew 16. Matthew 16 is where we will be today. Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to begin reading at verse 13. Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 13. Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 13. There's a word from the Lord, and it reads this way. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you asked, but but you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus responded, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he gave the disciples orders to tell no one that he was the Messiah. Bow your heads with me and let's pray together. Father, we love you. We honor you. We adore you. We magnify you. God, we make you big. Because truth be told, Lord, you and you alone deserve the glory the honor and the praise. And we're encouraged today to know that you are the rock that we're built on. And God, even though life many times causes us to to feel like we fail, God, in you we never will. So thank you, God, for being faithful. Thank you for being merciful. Thank you, God, for being gracious. Thank you for being kind and helping us to know, God, that Everything we need to do what you need us to do, you've already supplied. So let us use it in a way that honors you. Open our eyes to see it. Prepare our hands to use it. I pray today, God, that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My strength and my redeemer, what a joy it is to herald your word. And I pray that it will go forth with clarity conciseness and ready to be applied. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may take your seats today. As we uh, zoom in today, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20, I'm going to preach today, if I can, from a subject equipped for the kingdom. Equipped for the kingdom. I want you to use your brain, if you will, just to 
Think even over your own life for a little bit and wrestle through the question. Really asking yourself, how much thought have you really put into the kingdom of God? How much thought, really, honestly, have you put into the kingdom of God? Well, I know that for many it has become really, um, if you follow Dr. Tony Evans and his family, right, um, the kingdom of God, kingdom authority, kingdom agenda really has become really a hot-button um, subject. While I applaud, but, but, but personally for you, as it pertains to your own life, how much have you just really sat back and really took time and contemplated on the kingdom of God? Whether you have or have not put much thought into it, believer, I want you to know that God has equipped you for the kingdom. You, you are equipped for, um, to, to, to represent, to, to, to be a, a representative for God's kingdom. And I want you to really hear today, what I really want you to walk away from here with today as we unpack these verses is that because God is in your life, you are equipped for the kingdom of God. Because God is in your life, you are equipped for the kingdom of God. And that's the main point today. That's what I want you to grab, right? Because God is in your life, you are equipped for the kingdom of God. Now, some of you, uh, this might be intriguing. You may be caught off guard by surprise uh, uh, or maybe even cause you to be in deep thought. But God has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Remember, right? Come here. Second uh, Peter chapter one, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through, hear this, the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Because God is in your life, because you've given your heart to him, you are equipped for the kingdom. He's giving you everything you need, not only for life, but also for godliness. Because he's in your life, you are equipped for the kingdom of God. Now, Understand, right, that when we talk about uh, being equipped for the kingdom of God because God is in your life, we're not just talking here that uh, because he's in your life. I'm talking about you got a relationship with him, one that's heartfelt, one that's intentional, one right where you spend time with him. I'm talking about so in love with him. Your relationship is so much so that you, can, you are beginning to finish his sentences, so much so that you know what his voice sounds like, the term of Bible pages, right? You know the voice of God now because God is um, in your life, because he's in operation in your life, and because the Spirit of God is moving in your life, he, by the power of his Spirit, is equipping you, has equipped you for the kingdom of God. You're equipped for, you're equipped to represent the kingdom of God. I remember reading this book by um, a guy by the name of Jeff Christofferson, and in this book titled Kingdom First, he says, he defines the kingdom. He says the kingdom of God should be understood as God's active and sovereign reign through history, bringing about his purpose in the world through Christ. Tony Evans defines the kingdom of God as God's, hear this, comprehensive rule over every sphere of life as demonstrated through each individual, through family, through church, and through society. But I want you to walk away from here having really a clear view on what the kingdom of God is. Simply put, the kingdom of God is what this world looks like when our King Jesus has his way. The kingdom of God is what this world looks like when King Jesus has his way. Uh, it is the sovereign activity in this world that we live in resulting in people being in right relationship with God. Think about it. 
What better picture can be painted about the kingdom of God when by the power of God's spirit, ordinary people, men, women, boys and girls, once lifeless and purposeless, now spirited and full of purpose, people who have now become recipients of God's unfailing grace, where the rule of God is at work in their lives, where they're now being pushed to be more like Jesus in every area of their life because the spirit of God is at work. You are learning to walk like him. Him, to talk like him, to live like him, and lady, in the words of Lady Melinda, to be like him, just like him, right? When you, are, uh, when you begin to wrap your mind around what the kingdom of God is, you realize that the kingdom of God is not only a place, but it's a people. And wherever you are, if you belong to God, the kingdom of God is present because you're there. You're equipped for the kingdom because God is in your life. Because you've given your heart to him, you are equipped for the kingdom of God. Now, remember when we say in your life, we mean is your life. Everything about you is him and everything about him is you. I'm not speaking about perfection. I'm not saying it because God is in your life. You are perfect. We're not talking here about perfection, but honoring, reverence, gratitude, authentic, intentional, heartfelt relationship. But before you really begin to wrap your heart around why or how you've been equipped for the kingdom of God, really, really, my desire for you is to, is to know how important the kingdom of God is. And and to get you to grasp how important the kingdom of God is, right, I want to give you a biblical framework for the kingdom. The kingdom of God is actually what we are to seek as followers of Christ. And everything that we are is directed connectly to our king and his kingdom. Everything that you are to be, everything that you will become is directly connected to our king and his kingdom. There's so much, right, that the word of God teaches about the kingdom of God. And I cannot unpack it all, but I just want to give you some. Is that all right? Scripture says, right, Matthew 6, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown in the furnace tomorrow, won't he do so much more for you, you of little faith? Isn't it interesting that we represent the kingdom, but many times we find ourselves of little faith? He says, certainly if he'll clothe the birds and all those different things, certainly he'll give to you, you of little faith. So don't worry saying, what will I eat or what will I drink or what will I wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Here's your shout, uh, Matthew 6, he says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. What is these things that will be added? Those things that got you wearing. You don't know how you're going to eat. You don't know what you're going to wear. You don't know what you're going to do. But God says, if you seek my kingdom first, all of those other things I'll give to you if you seek my kingdom. It's important. The kingdom of God is important. Come here. Matthew 24, 14, this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Do you know, right, that we shout, Lord, Maranatha, come quickly. But according to Matthew 24, 14, the kingdom will not come until the gospel has reached all nations. So, so, so let me just say, believer, if you want to experience the coming of Jesus, if you want to come quickly, evangelize. It's another sermon because we're going to talk about equipped for evangelism a little later, right? But we got to know, right, because God is in operation in your life, you are equipped for the kingdom of God. What I love is Acts chapter 1, right? He says, uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 3, after he had suffered, he's talking here in the first Three verses of Acts in chapter 1, he was talking about Christ. After he suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by convincing proof, appearing to them over a period of 40 days. And when he appeared, guess what he was talking about? The kingdom of God. You, you, you do know, right, that this is the same Jesus who got separated from his parents. And when they came looking for him, he said, don't you know I got to be about my father's business? His whole, Jesus devoted his entire life teaching and heralding nothing but the kingdom. It's important. Even in the Acts, Acts 28, 
Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord with boldness and without hindrance. He said, I'm so, Paul was like, yo, I'm staying in this rented house for two years. I'm inviting everybody who come. I don't want to talk about football. I don't want to talk about basketball. I don't even need your family's, your family's recipe to their favorite meal. I just want to talk about the kingdom. Because God is in your life. You're equipped for the kingdom of God. But the question is, why? Why are we equipped for the kingdom? If God has equipped us for the kingdom, then why? I mean, Pastor Bro, you telling me everything I got, I already need. You telling me, right? You, you told us last week, Pastor Mike, you put our hands in front of us, look at our hands. Everything I need was already right there. You don't know where I left my fingerprints, Pastor, so how can you tell me that my hands are equipped? You don't know what I'm going to go grab off the shelf or you don't know, right, I'm, I'm looking for somewhere where I can grab something that I know it ain't for my good, but it's going to make me feel good. So how can I be equipped for the kingdom? We find it right here in Matthew 16. What I love here in this text is we see three evidences, three evidences that we are equipped for the kingdom of God. Number one, you're equipped for the kingdom. Number one, because you know Jesus. I, I, I want you to see it. Let, let, me, let me show it to you in the text. Here in the text, Matthew 16, 13 through 20, we find Jesus having a conversation with his disciples. And this conversation, y'all, was at the heels of a conversation with the Pharisees and the Sadducees who, while they were, while they, these Pharisees and Sadducees, they, they held Jesus in high esteem, but, but, but the multitudes were confused about Christ. While they held him in high esteem, they, they ranked him with great prophets, but they lacked the perception to see him as the son of the living God. But making clear to the multitude who Jesus was, those who were followers of him were able to identify who Jesus was. Watching the text, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples. Now, 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 no, right, right, disciple. He wasn't just talking to anybody. He was talking about, he was talking to those who rocked with him. Right, like those who hung with him. He says, he came, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You are equipped, um, family, for the kingdom of God because you are a disciple, meaning that you are a learner, you are a follower, and you ought to be a sharer of Jesus Christ the righteous. And because you know who he is, just simply knowing who he is equips you for his kingdom. Yes. He's interesting. Because lost in a group full of people, you know who you're following because you know what, what they look like. Me, my wife, and sons hung out last night. We was in a room full of people, right? And after I whooped my sons in the little basketball and Gave them the business on some axe throwing. Y'all know how it gets down. They don't want no smoke. I said, all right, I'm done beating y'all. Let me go find my wife. It's a room full of people. Wow. If it's a hundred and something people in the room, how did I know who she was? Because I know her. I know her walk. I know her height. Two, four. <laughs> I know what she looked like. Because I know her in every way I can. And it's the same way in your relationship with God. Now, what's interesting is that while I was not the only one in the room, I knew who she was. And I'm sure that while I'm looking for her, somebody somewhere else sees her and they don't know who she is. Well, do you know who she is? Oh, that's just another woman. That's just another woman playing the game. That's just another woman who's doing this or doing that. 
But when I saw her, oh, no, I know who that is. That's my wife. It's the same way with Jesus. Even though others will think different, oh, he's just another guy. He's just some random. I mean, I respect him, but he's a man just like me. Yeah, he's smart. He's kind. He's important. But, but listen, the difference between you and some other person is that you know Jesus. Not um, some simply, I, I know Jesus, meaning I can pronounce his name, but I know Jesus. Jesus intimately. I I can finish his sentences. I know his voice. I know his thoughts. I know his heart toward me. I know, come here, Jeremiah 29. I know his thoughts towards me. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. I know his plans. I know his thoughts toward me. When Jesus asked, hear this, when Jesus asked in verse 13, verse 15, he says, who do you say I am? Simon Peter. He answered, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. Now, y'all, one of the games that we love to play um, on game night is taboo. And it's a game where you're giving your team clues for them to tell you uh, what's on the card. And if you're anything like Brooke Forbes, see, so yeah. <laughs> You know the answer. You're going to jump up. with Like, like it's interesting because Brooke don't say nothing unless she knows that when she knows the answer, she jump up. Right? She, she jumps up and, and she screams the answer with excitement. Right? I just believe that if we was watching this, that's what happened here with Peter. Right? He said, who the other, everybody else? Some say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah. Then Jesus said, who do you say I am? Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, and I'm going to proclaim it. Family, what answer do you give to the question? Right? I don't need nobody to give me clues because I know his voice. I don't need nobody to read off cards to me because I know who he is, Jesus. I know who you are, and if you belong to Jesus, then you know Jesus as Savior. You know him as healer. You know Jesus as king, ruler, alpha, omega, beginning in the end, first in the last, all things in between. If you really know who Jesus is, I dare you to take a moment, mash pause in the middle of the sermon and just tell him, Jesus, I know you love me in spite of my feelings, in spite of my circumstances. God, you have healed me. God, you made me new. God, every chain you've broken. God, you are faithful to your promises. I know who Jesus is. Jesus, you are my joy within. Jesus, you are my peace in the time of storm. Jesus, you're my shelter from the rain. Jesus, you are, can I just go back? You're my wheel in the middle of a wheel. Jesus, you're the great, you're the rose of Sharon. You know who Jesus is? Listen, family, hear this. Because God is in your life. You are equipped for the kingdom. Why? Because in the midst of it all, you know who Jesus is. Come on, y'all know sometimes we forget because we broken people. But sometimes we need a Peter to remind us. <laughs> Pastor Baker, you <laughs> used to tell me all the time, calm down, Peter. <laughs> because Peter, Peter was the one who was just going to make it known like he just, he just came straight from the hip right? All of us need a Peter in our life, right? Who, who have a way energized to remind us of who Jesus is because God is an operation in your life. You're equipped for the kingdom because you know who Jesus is. Because God is in your life, you are equipped for the kingdom. Everything about you is him and everything about him ought to be you. You are equipped for the kingdom, number one. Because you know Jesus, but here it is. Number two, not only are you equipped for the kingdom because you know Jesus, but number two, because you know Jesus, here it is, you have a new perspective. You have a new perspective. Listen, as a follower of Christ, you know God reveals things to you that you typically wouldn't recognize in your own strength. He reveals things to you that you wouldn't always see that you would just blow right past. Think about it. You didn't, you didn't even know how bad you needed the Lord until you already had him. Like, think about your life. 
All those times you've been rescued from danger seen and unseen, you now know that it wasn't like you didn't walk away from that, right, because you were so strong. It's because the Lord pulled you out of it, right? You have a new perspective, right? You now know that it was the Lord protecting you from all hurt, harm, and danger, right? All those things that should have killed you, those things, right, that should have took every ounce of everything out of you because you have new perspective, You know that it wasn't you. It wasn't your own smarts. It wasn't your own wit. Believe it or not, it wasn't even your homies. It was the Lord the entire time. You have a new perspective. While we all have a story or experiences that we've went through or that we're going through, we are still able to know what the hand of God is. Why? Because we have a new perspective. You have a new perspective, right? How how do we see this? Where do we see this in the text? Watch this. Because they were able to recognize and fully know who Jesus was. Look at Jesus' response. (laughs) He says, y'all know what he said, right? Who do you say I am? Jesus said, you are the son, you're a Messiah, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus responded, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Here's the new perspective. Because flesh and blood did not reveal this, did not show this, did not manifest this to you. But how did you get it? My Father in heaven. (laughs) That they have a new perspective because they know who Jesus is. This isn't something that you can come up with on your own, right? Knowing who Jesus is, this isn't something, if we're honest, that our mind can fully fathom. But God extended mercy to us, helping us to know what we would otherwise miss. Our flesh and blood would lead us to some very dangerous places because we tend to make decisions and draw conclusions based off how either what we feel or what people say to us who we trust. We make decisions based off how we feel. Like, let's be honest, right? There's something, some decisions in your life that you came to, uh, that you come into, and let's just be honest. God didn't tell you that. You're in positions right now because you, you, you blame God because you felt it. When God ain't been, did that for you, God ain't been done told you to do that, right? We blame things on God that we really want, and then when it fell, we don't take ownership for it. We say, oh, oh, God must want to show me something new. God never wanted you to experience this, but you made a decision based off how you feel. There's some decisions in our life that, that, that we came to, and it wasn't God. And honestly, if it wasn't God, it was your flesh and blood. Here it is. There's no way you can, be, you can belong to the Lord and, and, and continue to be led by the enemy. So stop blaming the enemy for what you go through and take ownership. It was flesh and blood. See, it's like we find ourselves in situations and circumstances and different things because somebody who loves us, somebody who loved you, told you something and labeled you and you labeled it as truth because you trust them. Maybe there's a lie that you believe that you had in your feelings, that had you in your feelings because you embraced that lie as truth. But I want to remind you of something. Feelings or a great thermostat, but a bad compass. As disciples, as followers, learners of Christ, we must be led by the Spirit and not our feelings. Now, I'm not saying that we can't feel. I'm saying that we can't be led by them. There's a place for feelings. Let me just be honest. I don't even want to be in a relationship with a God I can't feel. Right? But hear this. Feelings are a great thermostat, but a bad compass. Reality is God is at work in all of our lives, and being led by him gives us new perspective. You have a new perspective, not only because God reveals to you who Jesus is. We have a new perspective because God reveals to us who Jesus is. He said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. He reveals to us who Jesus is. But what I love is that not only does he reveal to us who Jesus is with this new perspective, but this new perspective helps us to realize the church is not a building but a people. Yeah, we have a new perspective because we know who Jesus is, but also because we're his church. Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it, y'all. This dialogue 
about new perspective here in these verses gets really interesting because here many would take this passage and many have taken these verses and build denominations and reformations saying that they can be traced back to the lineage of Peter, but that is not what this text is talking about. Folk talking about I'm an apostle and you can trace it back to the lineage of Peter. That's foolishness, it's false teaching, and it's not there in the text. Right here as he's talking about this, right, since Peter confessed Jesus as Christ, Jesus used his name really, um, if we're honest, a play on words, right, because here, right, in Greek, Peter's name, right, um, is pronounced Petros, right, which means stone. But when Jesus said, on this rock, I built my church, he uses another Greek word that's Petra, which is a collection of rocks knitted together to form a large slab. So what he's saying is, yeah, Peter, right, because of your faith, right, um, um, upon this rock who was Christ, I will build my Petra, my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, which helps us to see that the church is not one person or one building. The church is these little rocks that's put together to form this large slab. So the church is not a building but rather a people that cannot be overpowered by the things this world, a people that cannot be overpowered by, 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 by the hands of hell. The, uh, the church is a people that cannot be pushed away by the things of this world because we're in the hands of a sovereign king. It's upon this rock. I built my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, he says. Right? Jesus' church is compromised of unified followers who confess him as Lord, the son of the living God, just like Peter did. And and because you know who Jesus is, he equips you for his kingdom because you're his church. You're his church. You're his church. The rock that we're built on is Christ. It is he that knits us together for a slab. Together we confess Christ as Lord. Together we confess Christ as a Messiah. Together we confess Christ as the Son of the living God. It is Jesus who builds us, his church, to represent him where we live, work, and play. It is Jesus who is building his church to be kingdom representatives and get this, no matter Listen, no matter how difficult, no matter how hard things may seem, no matter how elusive life may be, being his church may be, for, uh, for you it may be difficult, but Jesus makes you a promise. As he gives you new perspective, he, he gives you a promise upon this rock. Jesus is the rock. There's a song, Lead Me to the Rock, that's higher than I. Jesus being the rock, right? Come here, uh, 1 Corinthians 3.11. There's no foundation to be built on but that of Christ Jesus. Jesus is the rock that we're built on. He said, now, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Here in this, in this text, he gives a promise to those of us who have new perspective. He's saying, yeah, it may get difficult, it may get hard, it may get tough, but the gates of hell will not prevail. What he's saying is, yeah, uh uh-huh, I know you're going to experience some tough stuff in your life, but hey, don't worry about it. It may hurt, but it's going to work out for your good in the end. The gates of hell will not overpower it. It's clear, y'all, that Jesus, Jesus here was declaring that death has no power to hold God's people captive. It's the, the, the gates of hell are not strong enough to overpower and to keep the church of God imprisoned. The church has conquered death, and because death no longer has master over him, our Savior, our rock, it is no longer master over those things that belong to him. Satan has maybe power of death, and he will always use that power to try to destroy the church, but we have this promise from Christ, the called out, the ecclesia, the Petra, the church will prevail. Oh, oh, you need Bible. This is faith community. Bible church. Let me give you Bible. Come here, John 14. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more and you will see me because I live. You also will live. So in other words, as the church, oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? Because I'm the church, hell cannot prevail because the hands of God is on my life and I'm equipped for the kingdom. 
Equipped for the kingdom. Tony Evans. I love what Tony Evans says. Tony Evans says, he says, Christ's church is a little bit of heaven, a long way from home, designed to withstand the authority of hell. <laughs> he says, hell's attempt to stop the church's progress in history is thwarted as the church executes heaven's authority on earth. Think about that for a moment. If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has victory over sin and death, then why is it that we tend to think that in our culture today, the church is losing? It looked like it sometimes. I remember uh, a few years ago when I first sat down and actually Michaela gave attention to my first football game. Of course, it was the Chiefs playing. We were sitting and we was watching it. I'm like, it's pretty interesting. Sounds pretty fun. Looks pretty good. I just knew the Chiefs was gonna lose. It was the game was over. Right? They was in overtime. I'm like, oh, this game over, babe. We can go. Restaurant was closed, but we was nice. We was good people. Tracy had a cute smile, so they let us stay. For us to get to the door, I'm like, wait a minute. It's a couple seconds left. They were it was they were playing against Tampa Bay. And all of a sudden, in overtime, he threw the ball. Chiefs win. Chiefs win. They going to the Super Bowl. Man, I mean, folks was going crazy. We was actually in Tampa Bay when it was happening, so they started cutting off TVs. Folks was mad and all that stuff. And it's interesting because they thought, all of us thought that they were out of the game. They thought that we, we all thought that it was done because of what it looked like. But next thing you know, in the blink of an eye, Hail Mary came, Mahomes with his uh, awesome self, threw this touchdown and they won the game. Believer, it's the same way for you. I know, right? You think that it's all over. I know you like, man, look, if, if 2024 is going to be anything like 2023, I don't want nothing to do with it. You contemplating all these different things, but it's never too late for the Lord to throw a Hail Mary. You will always win. You will always be victorious. Why? Because the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And listen to this, right? We think about gates of hell in comparison to the church, and we think that automatically see see a gate a building right the, yeah the church building ain't gonna fall because the gates of hell will not prevail he was never talking about a building he was talking about a people because you are petra little rocks put together to be this large slab to represent the kingdom of god the gates of hell the demonic attacks read ephesians 6 those things may come to, they may cut you it may bring a limp you may leave with questions but it will never overpower you because you belong to Jesus, you're equipped for the kingdom. You're equipped for the kingdom. Can I, can I, let, me, let me give you scripture to help you with new perspective, right? Let the word bless you. 2 Corinthians 5, 16. Here's what he says. I love this. He says, from now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we've known Christ from a worldly perspective, you now, yet now, we no longer know him in this way. It's my favorite. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Here it is. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore... Here's where, here's where Paul, talking to the Corinthian church, pulls in kingdom. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become. Because God is in your life. You are equipped for the kingdom. You are equipped for the kingdom because you know Jesus. Don't let what you see and what you feel right now hinder what you believe. 
You know Jesus? You, can, look, can I just tell you something? You was built for this. You was built for this. You have the tools. Everything that you need, God has already given it to you. You're equipped for the king. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. The more you get to know him, the more you begin to realize what he's placed in your hands. The more and more you get to know him, you will realize there's nothing broke in you. There's nothing faulty and phony, right? Because when he created you, come here Genesis 1, he double checked and made sure it was all good. You, you, you are equipped. You are mature for him. You, you know Jesus. You have new perspective. Here's my final point. Here's my final point. Then I'm going home. I promise. Um, um, he says, right, you equipped for the kingdom because you know Jesus, because you have new perspective. And finally, number three, you have a responsibility. He don't just give you tools and just say, don't ever use these. I went and replaced the faucet in my kitchen. And uh, what's interesting is I replaced it. I ain't really, I mean, if you know me even for three minutes, I ain't too handy. But I can watch a YouTube video like it ain't nobody's business. Right. Okay. So I'm blessed to have um, on call um, a master of everything. Um, some of y'all may know him. His name is Lawrence Baker. So <laughs> whenever I got to fix something, I call him. I mean, he fixed faucets, floors, marriages. I mean, he's... <laughs> I called him and I said, man, you said something about this sink, and, it, and it's not draining right. And I don't know what it is. I'm thinking about just going to get a new faucet. He said, well... Take the thing off, put the holes around the what you call it. I knew what he was talking about. He didn't have to tell me. I just knew what it was because it's the what you call it around the thingamajig. Because if it fell down to what's his name, it was going to take longer to do, right? That's right. Yeah. So I wrapped it around the what you call it, took the thingamajig off and turned it upside down. I said, man, let me send you a picture. So I sent the picture and I said, man, let me go find the box that it came in because I think it may be a tool to get this off. So I go down in the basement. Everybody got that one room where they keep all the stuff that you're going to need for a rainy day. Well, I went to the rainy day closet, found the box, and inside the box that I would have threw away, right? I just didn't. I just got the faucet. That's all I really need, right? Who needs instructions? <laughs> I look in the box, and there's this little tool. So I said, hmm, I wonder, is this it? I put it on there. It fits. Turned it. Deal came right off. Ran some water over it. Put a, put a microfiber cloth down. Tapped it a little bit. Passed it back. I ain't tapped it too hard because I ain't want to break it. Right? So, so I tapped it. Got everything off. Put it back on there. And now the faucet works well. What did I learn? When I bought that faucet, it came with responsibility to make sure not only did I read the instructions, but there was a tool that I needed to clean it that I didn't have there. Do you know that as a kingdom representative, as a person who's equipped for the kingdom, right, it comes, your life comes with instructions. And you can't continue to just, oh, let me, let me get the instructions and throw the box. No, you got to read the instructions and realize that God has given you tools for um, this responsibility to, to represent his kingdom. God has equipped us for his kingdom. It, it wasn't just for us to just sit on the shelf and collect dust. But, but see, it's interesting because when we think about that, that passage in 1 Peter, right, we get excited. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. We get excited about that. But for whatever reason, we forget the B clause so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who's called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. As God's church, we have a responsibility to proclaim him. As God's church, as kingdom representatives, we've been given, uh, we've been given by God a responsibility. Watch what he says, verses 19 and 20. I love this. This is where we talk about responsibility as kingdom representatives. He says, 
I will give you, <coughs> I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, a key, a key really is, is a badge of authority. A key is a sign of trust. A key is a sign of responsibility, right? Um, just in case you're wondering, no, my dad has never given me the keys to his car, right? Yeah, talk to him later, right? But when somebody, when somebody give you keys, right, when they give you a key, they're giving you a key to either access something or unlock something. And we see that right here further down because he says whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, right? That's just him saying, hey, I'm giving you these keys. There's some things you're going to have to lock, but there's also some things you're going to have to unlock. You have a responsibility, right? Uh, I'm giving you these keys, these keys that, that they're divinely authorized resources that grant us authority and access. Jesus follower, You've been given by God access to represent the kingdom of God. And listen, no one gives you keys for you never to use them. Nobody gives you keys for you never to use them. We have the responsibility to be utilizing the keys of the kingdom while we're here. And as followers of Christ, we gather to grow as the kingdom of God and scatter to represent the kingdom of God. When we gather, we learn how to live as responsible kingdom representatives in this world that we live in. In other words, we have the responsibility. God has given us, his people. The authority to make Christ known. We have the authority to make Christ big. Christ has given us God and his divine authority, his divine sovereignty has granted to all of us keys to, to herald to others the same sermon that John the Baptist preached in Matthew 3. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Believers, we are equipped for the kingdom of God. We have responsibility to the one who has given us authority and to those to whom we display authority. Because we're his church. And as his church, we represent him. We have a responsibility to the one who gives it to us and also responsibility to whom we display. Well, What's the responsibility? It's the gospel. The gospel will be the means, really, of opening the kingdom of heaven to all believers and shutting it against unbelievers. Jesus says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. See, binding and loosing does not imply you can make God do whatever um, you want him to do. It must be according to his will. See, see, we've been taught, right, that we got the power to bind and loose some stuff. You ain't got no power to bind and loose nothing because you can even bind and loose your mouth long enough to hear what God has to say. It has to be according to his will, according to his word. So, so whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven simply because God has given us the authority, the keys to the kingdom. He's given us the gospel to herald it every opportunity that we get. And since he's equipped us for the kingdom, since we know who Jesus is, since we have new perspective that's been revealed to us by the Father, since he's given us keys to the kingdom, we must act. Exercise the authority, utilize the keys that has been given to us by sharing the gospel. It is the gospel that prepares people for the kingdom of God. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that restrains people from sin and frees them to live in Christ. It is the gospel. Y'all know the gospel, the good news of Jesus is coming to provide forgiveness of sin to all who believe. Y'all know the gospel, the only story in history where the hero died for the villain. Let's peel back the onion. The gospel, right? God is holy. He's righteous. He won't ignore sin. Man sinned against God. Therefore, our relationship with God is broken and anything that's broken needs to be fixed. 
pause, if we could fix our life alone, if we could have fixed our life on our own, we would have did it a long time ago. But since we couldn't, Jesus Christ did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Everything we've ever done wrong, he took our sins on his back. Scripture says he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. He's talking about from sin, right? He took everything that you've ever done wrong, your sin, he took it on his back, died on the cross, was buried in a borrowed tomb. Oh, but in three days, he rose from the grave with all power in his hands. And as kingdom representatives, we have the responsibility to unlock these hearts with the gospel so people will know, hey, living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Living, he justified, freeing me forever. And one day, he's coming back. Glorious day. And I cannot continue to sit back and just let like my keys dangle on my belt like an old custodian, never using the key. But the joy to us having divine authority from God is that, right, we ain't got a bunch of keys. He only gave us one. And it's the master key, right, to unlock his hand, whereby we share that with us. No, we don't have the responsibility to save anybody, but it's our responsibility to tell somebody. We got to talk about Jesus. It's the gospel. Jesus Christ that works in the life of the blood ball, reminding each of us every day that we're equipped for the kingdom. And family, here it is. Because God is in your life, you're equipped for the kingdom of God. How do we know it? It's in the text. You know Jesus. You know that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the anointed one. He's the Son of the living God. You know Jesus. You have new perspective. He's opened your eyes. He's shown you things that you were missing the other time. Can I just tell you, he has not abandoned you. He's not left you to figure it out on your own. Because if you know him as Messiah, if you know him as son of the living God, you know that while sometimes it may feel like he's not there, he's right there with you. He promised you. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You're equipped for the kingdom because you have responsibility. What are the barriers in your life that's keeping you? from focusing on how you know Jesus. What what is it happening that makes you forget? What is it that's clouding your judgment or your perspective? What is it that's interfering with your responsibility, causing you to be irresponsible? You ain't got to say it out loud, but wrestle through the tension. Because everything you are supposed to be, everything that you need to do, God has already given it to you. Thank you for listening to the Faith Community Bible Church Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by the message on today. To respond to today's message, please go to fcbcstl.com forward slash respond. If you would like to give to support the mission and vision of Faith Community Bible Church, you can go to fcbcstl.com forward slash give. God bless.